Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is lovely Melanie Leonello, who is a qualified nutritionist, a recipe developer, a food photographer, and someone who does a lot of amazing things in the industry. She's worked with media, with different brands, developing recipes and products, and she also runs cooking classes. So we'll dive into all of that and more today, but thank you so much for joining me, Mel. It's such a pleasure to have you here, and I'm really looking forward to what you have to say. Thank you so much for having me. I feel really honoured to be in such great company with all of the previous guests that you've had on. Uh, You're in very good company indeed. And yeah, it's so great to have you here. Um, So to start off, let's talk a little bit about how you got interested in the nutrition and health space and how your journey began. Yeah, so um, I think my journey is probably a little bit unconventional in that um, I didn't actually start studying nutrition until I was 21. So I'd always loved food and I sort of spent, you know, after high school traveling and trying a few different things and not really loving anything, you know, to make it into a career. And I thought while I was in Europe, I was like, I love food. Why not study nutrition? That just seems like, you know, a match made in heaven to me. And so I I applied and because I was a mature age student, even though I'd never done any of the prerequisites um, at high school or in VCE, um, I got accepted. And so once I came back home, I then dove straight into studying and it was quite the rude awakening to realise that it was all biochemistry and physiology (laughs) and um, not really about food. So um, it was, it was a challenge to say the least for me, I think, because I've always been a bit more creatively inclined rather than um, a scientific or an analytical sort of mind. Um, But I thought, I'm here now, I'm 21, I need to pull my life together and do something and stick with it. So I stuck with it and just um, I really battled that first year to sort of learn, I guess, to sort of learn the basics of everything while we were actually learning the more advanced, um, you know, progressions of biochem and chemistry and things like that so it was a lot of catch up and keep up but I got there in the end and yeah I I persisted so um, that's kind of I think it was my stubbornness that like led me through the rest but I was like look this is it this is my last go I'm just gonna go with this and I'm gonna complete it whether I like it or not and I think my stubbornness just got me through it. Yeah, well, it's brilliant that you got there and that you did stick with it. And now what you've grown today, I'm sure looking back, you're so glad you did push through. And yeah, just it's a testament to show that even if science isn't your strong point or that's not particularly something you're interested in, it obviously is so beneficial to this field and you can achieve that and learn that if you put your mind to it. So yeah, that's really good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, utilising everything that your university has to offer. Like I attended 
every additional chemistry class in particular, but anything that was extra, I did, whether I knew what was going on or not, I just showed up and just kept showing up. And then the more I showed up, um, you know, I made friends with people, which I guess isn't something when you're the, you know, technically the mature age person, that's not something that comes naturally. And I know it sounds strange to say that 21 is mature age, but when you're in a cohort of students that are all 17 and 18, you're kind of a little bit out of your depth. Well, at least I felt I was. So yeah, once, once I utilized everything that was available to me and just stuck with it and made some really great friends, it sort of all fell into place. And even though I still continued to struggle with everything, I then started to, you know, really thrive in that environment because I had that support network around me. Yeah, so important. Absolutely. And so when you did graduate, where did you go from there? Did you sort of know what you wanted to do or have any ideas of the kind of job you wanted to create for yourself or did that come with time? Yeah, so um, once I finished my undergrad degree, I kind of... I knew that I had to do something else. I knew that I wasn't really going to be able to um, set myself apart, I guess, um, in a professional sense if I didn't do something extra. Um, And I wanted to do the Masters of Dietetic Practice um, following my Bachelor of Human Nutrition because I just thought that was the natural progression of things. So I applied for that, got in um, and deferred it and then continued on um, with my honours year. So I decided to try my hand at something a little bit more, I guess, research-based and it ended up being a little bit more creative, I guess. So I I really needed to feed that part of my soul. Um, And during that honours year, while I was undertaking my research project, that's when other little bits and pieces that sort of stemmed from me having like a hobby Instagram really started to take off. Yeah, amazing. And what did that look like? Like, how did your Instagram following start to grow and lead to opportunities? So it was, I don't have the exact, like, I'm not really sure what made it grow apart from I just continued to share content that I thought people would find valuable. And for me, that was um, simple, easy, affordable, homemade recipes that you know, whether you had great kitchen skills or whether you had zero knowledge in the kitchen at all, you only knew how to, you know, boil a kettle and pop a piece of toast down. Um, Just keeping it really simple, sharing those types of recipes, focusing uh, more on the big picture um, of food and nutrition. So looking at just adding in vegetables rather than nitpicking nutrients as such. So just trying to make it really approachable, I guess, for most people and, During that honours year, it really just started to snowball and take off. And that led to my first opportunity with a company called Heart and Soul, which I have a super available nationwide (laughs) in supermarkets uh, with my face on the packet. And it's still one of their bestsellers today. (laughs) It is so cool. What was that like? How did you go developing that product for them? Um, So it was... I've never eaten so much bloody coconut and lentil soup in my life during that process. There was so much back and forth um, because, you know, I wanted it to hit particular um, goals as a food product as well as be, you know, easy to heat up and very um, 
obviously delicious, but, you know, I wanted the texture to still be there and um, I wanted it to be a multi-purpose product as well. So I didn't just want it to be a soup. I wanted it to be a soup plus maybe like a, a curry base or a meal base or something you could add into um, savoury scones to flavour them, um, just, you know, to have a lot of applications. So, yeah, it was... A lot of back and forth, I was kind of given a very rough brief of what sort of flavours um, the company were after. And then I just used my knowledge and uh, my travels to inspire, I guess, the, the final product. Um, and yeah, and the final product ended up hitting all of my goals. So it's vegan, gluten-free, free from any um, artificial flavourings, colourings, preservatives, and yes, it's very veggie heavy. So yeah, everyone seems to like it. And that's just the, the nicest thing. It's just amazing. Like I, I'm honestly speechless when I think about it because I guess so many people have access to it. You know, it's a very affordable price point. It's about $3. Um, it's shelf stable, um, which is something that, uh, you know, normally we don't see lower sodium levels and things like that in shelf stable products, but um, that was something that I wanted to achieve. So, yeah, it's just awesome. I just feel very overwhelmed when I think about it. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. And it must be such a weird feeling, like, seeing your face on the supermarket shelves. So strange. <laughs> something you must be so proud of because, yeah, it's incredible. And to meet all that nutrition criteria while still being shelf-stable and being such a popular product, that, yeah, that's really something incredible. And we need more of that. So well done. Thank you. And did you say that was one of your first opportunities you got? That was my very first, yeah. Wow, what a big <laughs> first opportunity. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what I mean. Like, it's just so overwhelming to me, like, looking back and realising how big that actually was, yeah. even if I didn't quite realise it at the time. Yeah, that's amazing. Pretty nice. Um, <laughs> so speaking of your beautiful Instagram, your photos look like they belong in a food magazine. Have you always been a natural photographer or is that a skill you've done no. over time? <laughs> oh my gosh. I always say like, you should see my first photos. They are horrific. I don't even, they were taken on like, you know, my old, like old, old, old iPhone. I think I didn't even clean the lens on the iPhone. Like it's got like a cloudy, like, <laughs> like wash over the whole image. It's terrible. Like I made, I remember one of the first images I made, uh, took a photo of, was this chocolate chili slice, um, which was, you know, delicious. But I decided that on one small piece of this, like, chocolate sweet slice, I would put an entire red chili. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, so bad, so bad. So it definitely took a lot of practice, like so much practice. Um, and to do that, I kind of just learned through YouTube tutorials. Um, so just typing in like food photography in YouTube and just seeing where that took me um, and then just practice, practice, practice. Yeah, amazing. You know, we're all going to scroll back to your very first post now. <laughs> oh, it might not even be there. I think I might have like shame deleted it. <laughs> no. I'll have to put it, I'll put it up in my stories or something for sure. I think it's amazing though looking back like sometimes I'll go back and look at my original photos and just be like what was I thinking um, but it really I just know. shows like what practice can do 
And I know you don't realize how far you come until you go back and reflect on it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really uh, something I used to encourage people when they're like, oh, I don't want to put things out there because it doesn't look as pretty as all the other people on Instagram. But you have to start somewhere and you can't get good at things, especially things like photography, which is a skill that you can develop over time. If you don't ever try, like that's not just going to come to you overnight. So it's really about putting it out there and finding and developing. Yeah. yeah and if you're nervous about putting yourself out there I mean I think for the first year that I had my Instagram profile it was just um I didn't put my name to it or any there was nothing that identified me and so that um anonymity kind of awarded me this um freedom to just try out different things see what people responded to and I think if you just start like that if that's you know kind of like a little stepping stone to putting yourself out there yeah go for it yeah, that's a really great point. Did you find there was um, a shift when you did start putting yourself out there? Was it really well received with your followers or how did you go about that and how did they take it? It was really well received. Um, I've always found Instagram to be this really beautiful community that's just very uplifting and supportive. I feel like that's very lucky. I, I, I think in the nutrition and dietetic space and just in the food community so whether it's you know it doesn't have to be um, centered around nutritious food just any sort of food I feel like it's not a very I don't know snarky or competitive environment so it was really well received and I think that still stands today I think that the the, the foodie community especially based in Australia are just like wonderful yeah yeah I'd agree with that for sure so let's talk a little bit about what your job actually looks like now, what your business that you've created looks like and some of the different facets and what like a week to week sort of routine would look like for you, what's involved. Yeah. So um, it has morphed into, I mean, it just changes all the time depending on what sort of um, conversations and opportunities I'm currently having. Yeah. Um, but basically it involves a lot of um, food shopping (laughs) (laughs) to, you know, obviously source ingredients. And that's been a little bit more difficult um, with the lockdown, not being able to travel for particular ingredients or whatever. Um, But basically before all of this, I would sort of work on a day-to-day basis. Currently I'm working more on like a fortnightly basis so that I can order what I need in advance. Um, but you know, I'd sort of wake up, go and have my coffee, write my list, go and get everything that I need, come home and then start on, um, you know, recipe work for clients or for different brands, um, for sort of three or four hours, just smash out a whole bunch of that, um, have a quick break for lunch. And then I'd spend the afternoon photographing. And then for a couple of hours after that, keeping up with emails, checking social media, replying to any questions, queries, comments, things like that on, you know, the website, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, all of the sort of like little arms that are there now. Um, And then editing and writing things up and making nutrition information panels if that's needed. Um, Just all of that admin stuff, I suppose. 
Yeah, sounds jam-packed and it's incredible that you're able to juggle all of those different things because there is a lot involved in that, but you still manage to put out such great quality content and be so active. And I've even noticed through Instagram, you do interact with a lot of your followers. There's been times where you've replied to me and you can tell there's a lot of thought and you really care about everyone who does follow along. So that's really beautiful. And I think that's probably what's contributed to your amazing growth and the amazing community you've created as well. Oh, thank you. I, I mean, I, I think it's important for me that, um, you know, my audience knows like I'm only ever the click of a button away. Um, I think I, I don't ever want to be unapproachable or, you know, seen as too aspirational to talk to or anything like that. I, you know, I'm very, very uh, down to earth. I'll talk with anyone. Um, and I think, you know, my DMs are always just full of people like... <laughs> you know, asking random information, which I'm always happy to share. Like I'm an open book and I've said that so many times, um, every interview I've ever had, um, you know, any, anyone who wants to know anything about how to get start, started in social media, because I really muddled my way through it, um, I'm more than happy to share. I feel like not enough people share. Um, and... I think that comes from a place of them protecting, you know, obviously their, their business and identity, but I just think that the food community is so wonderful and everyone has their own flavor of things. So I just think there's so much room for everyone to do whatever they want to do. And it's not going to be, you know, chipping anything away from what you're doing. So yeah, yeah I'm always happy to share and chat with anyone. Yeah, that's so lovely of you. And I completely agree. I think it is really, it should really be about building each other up rather than keeping secrets and being like, no, I'm going to keep this to, this to yeah. myself. Yeah, it's really about that collaboration and because we're all here to help people. We're all one exactly. for everyone. So the more we can help each other, the more people we can impact as well. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Brilliant. So let's talk a little bit about how you get the opportunities. Do you find a lot of them come to you or do you reach out to companies or is it a bit of both? So I've been really lucky in that sense. Um, I, I feel extremely lucky to, to say this, but I've, I've never actually looked for work myself. Um, so the opportunities that I have have come to me through, I think me investing in myself with, putting content out that is obviously of value to my audience, but is true to myself as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just come to me naturally and I feel so privileged to have that um, as part of my business. Um, but then also a couple of months ago, um, I joined a ma management agency, um, IB Talent Co. And they've been nothing short of, incredible in just supporting that admin side and um that sort of i guess looking at partnerships and things like that for me and just letting me do my own thing with my food um so i feel like now that i'm at sort of you know this is my fifth year in business so now that i'm at that sort of um i guess that sort of age in my business it was time for me to i guess hand something off to somebody um I was very nervous to like let go of any part of my business but I'm only one woman and I can't do it all <laughs> so um yeah they they help in pitching me for different opportunities that might come up and things like that and this is really the first time that I've um had to sort of 
uh, be involved in like pitching or things like that. So I'm probably not the best person to ask advice on that part of uh, no. work. But um, yeah, and I think what is a, I just want to like, uh, it's not really related, but I just think like if you can make meaningful connections with potential contacts in, you know, PR and communications and marketing, um, they'll remember that you're a, you know, a nice person, a lovely person or someone that, you know, always replied to emails in a timely manner or, you know, just little things like that, just small courtesies. That sort of has really come back to me and paid dividends. So um, I'd recommend if somebody reaches out to you, even if it's not something that you want to do, you never know where people move around to and where they end up. So just always be really polite and courteous and just, you know, a good human being. Yeah, that is such good advice. And you're right, it would make such a difference in the long run. So what are some of the opportunities that have come to you? I've seen you've done some traveling before and there's been some media related things. Tell us a little bit about some of the examples of jobs you get. Yeah, so it's such a mixed bag. So um, before this year, before COVID came, um, I was doing a lot of traveling, um, which was just an absolute dream, to be honest. so I travelled to Italy with both Gorilla and Batoli a couple of times, um, cool. which was incredible. I just basically, like, was in heaven, just food heaven for, like, <laughs> the whole trip. Um, and then last year as well, I went on a press trip to Israel, which was incredible to learn about. Mm. Um, and the food scene there is phenomenal and just the the fusion of cuisines as well um, was amazing. I just like rolled home from that basically. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there's some of the the travel opportunities that I've had as well as um, opportunities within Australia and going to regional areas and looking at their produce, um, which is also awesome, um, especially uh, like in the Barossa and in Tasmania, like just produce heaven basically Um, and then some other sort of opportunities that come up are food photography so um, that's obviously quite an aside from nutrition but it's still such a creative process and I really love it and it still requires me to you know cook and make the food and in some cases even write the recipes so it's kind of you know like a one-stop shop I suppose for um, recipe development and content creation Um, yeah and then product development so like the soup um, that's the only product I have that actually has my name to it but there are other products that I've worked on um, that sell all over the country you know, that I've just written the recipe for and then handed it off to my client um, to do their wonders with it. Um, what else is there? I guess I, I can say now because maybe by the time this episode comes out, it might already be out there. But um, this year I've uh, I got a publishing deal, so I've spent the whole year writing my very first cookbook. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Eva. it has been massive (laughs) um yeah it's been awesome I just feel so lucky I feel very very lucky but I'm super excited about the cookbook because it focuses on my personal passion which is Mediterranean cuisine um the benefit of the Mediterranean diet and fusing that with 
um, the the further study that I did in Turkish culinary culture for my um, honours degree. So it's just like the marriage of all my favourite things. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible. And tell us a little bit about that process. Obviously, there would be so much involved. Are you also taking all of your own photography for the book? I imagine you are since you're so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what does that look like? How have you fit that in amongst all the other jobs that you're also balancing? Very poorly. <laughs> um, I would say that from like, oh, like once once I got the green light on my um, proposal and the concept um, and my test recipes because the publisher wanted to see some test recipes, so I put that forward in the proposal and wrote my little introductions and the type of recipes. And once I got that absolute green light on all of um, the contents that I wanted to include in the book, I basically just planned it out in blocks of testing so each chapter i would do it at a time so test you know all the soups all the dips all the mains you know over sort of a week at a time so seven days a week not five days a week um and just you know like stupid hours um because we had quite a tight turnaround um because everything got sped up due to covid so um i started writing in March after the proposal like March was when I got the green light and I had 10 weeks wow (laughs) (laughs) I think for that 10 weeks I think I just survived on like coffee Vegemite toast um And a lot of podcasts. Um, And I wrote all of my recipes just on scraps of paper, which are still sitting in my kitchen drawer because I can't face to, like, sort them out. (laughs) Um, So I did all the testing, wrote everything up, and then spent, uh, I think it was three weeks, just photographing everything, so making everything all over again and then photographing it all. It wasn't, like... I'm not a very, um, I'm not a great forward planner. I've never been a very good planner. So it was very much like I would wake up and decide that I'm going to do this bunch of recipes today and just go with it and just style it by the feel of the food and what I was thinking on the day. So, um, and that's kind of the way that I've always done my work. So I feel like the the book is going to be a really good representation of the way my mind works. <laughs> that's amazing and it shows there's also hope for people who aren't organized and you can still put exactly (laughs) I'm like I mean I'm organized but in a very unconventional way I know what I'm doing but I don't think anyone else would have any idea how to interpret my my schedule or notes so there's hope (laughs) yeah definitely and I think that's really powerful too because when we do go with what we're feeling and we go with the flow it allows for that creative expression, especially because what you are doing is so creative. You don't want to have such a structure that it feels forced or that you're not properly able to express yourself. So I think that works really well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Incredible. I cannot wait to see that and for you to announce it and everything. That's going to be so exciting. Um, A random question I have in regards to 
when these do opportunities do come up, obviously without going into the specifics, how did you go about figuring out prices for your services? Yeah. Um, yeah. And tell us a little bit about that process. So that was such a murky process. Like, I mean, so when I started my Instagram, it was like 2014. Um, and the idea of sponsored content was so new. Like, I mean, it wasn't something that, um, you know, there wasn't numerous blog posts. There wasn't really like, um, you know, social media content agencies that had, you know, little like blog posts or anything about how to do any of it. Um, so for the longest time, I think I had quite a number of followers before I even thought to charge anything. I was just doing it purely as a hobby um, and just wearing the cost of the ingredients and the time and whatever, um, just, just for my love of it, I suppose. Um, and then I think it was a friend that I met at a, like one of these food networking sort of um, events sort of around 2015, I think it was. Um, and she, she asked me, she was like, well, you know, what do you, what do you charge for an Instagram post? And I was like, nothing. What do you mean? <laughs> she was like, that's like advertising for them. So, and you've got to put your knowledge and your work into it and produce something and then they use it. And it's like, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. So I sort of sat on that thought for a little while and then I had an opportunity come up um, not too long after that and I was so nervous to ask for any sort of reimbursement and I vividly remember I asked for $50 to just cover the um, the cost of the ingredients because um, they wanted a salmon recipe and I was like, oh, still a uni student, salmon is so expensive, like... <laughs> you know, how am I going to do this? Um, and they replied, honestly, but like, you know, when you send an email and it says zero minutes ago, because you've just sent it, they replied before it even clicked over to one minute ago. Like, wow. yes, of course, that's totally fine. And I was like, oh, so they fully expected me to charge something. And I've just been so, I don't know, naive, I suppose. Um, in not doing anything. And so I just kind of came to testing the waters from there. So the next time I had an opportunity come up, I was like, okay, well, I charge $100. And they're like, okay, great. And then I started actually asking different brands, especially food brands, um, big food brands, what their budgets were. So working backwards from there, because that really gave me an indication of, okay, so they think that this work is valued at this much. Am I happy to work for this much? Yes or no? And if yes, great, you agree. And if no, can we do a workaround? You know, maybe they want, I don't know, for example, they want five recipes and, you know, 20 photos or something. Well, okay, that's a lot of work. So I'm actually going to come back and say, I'm happy to do the five recipes, but maybe we'll just do two photos per recipe. So 10 images all up. And then they would come back and say yes or no. So just like sort of, you know, negotiating. And I guess that's kind of how I learned my value from there was just uh, sucking it up and asking <laughs> um, and just muddling my way through it and just, you know, pushing the boundaries a little bit. So if you are on Instagram and doing sponsored content um, and you're not really sure how to price yourself, um, ask what their budget is for you. 
Um, or think about what you charged last time and add $50, add $100 and see what they come back and say. The worst that can happen is they say no, um, they don't have the budget. And so then you just reply saying, okay, great. What is your budget? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, yeah. And it's just, if you're really polite and courteous and, you know, respond in a timely manner, once again, people are really open to having these conversations and yeah, I mean, there's other resources out there now. I mean, they're everywhere. Like, I think the Tribe app has a ballpark rate card, okay. um, depending on your following. So if you have 3,000 followers, this is what you should charge per post. If you have 1 million followers, this is what you should charge per post. And that's just available to anyone um, on the App Store. So there's, yeah, there's awesome resources out there now. Um and yeah, just sort of like muddling around and finding out what works for you. Yeah, they are some great tips. What would you say are some of the skills needed for someone who wants to do similar things to what you're doing or start getting opportunities like you have? So I think having a, a genuine sort of following um, on Instagram or whatever social media platform it is that you're using. Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of us like, nutrition foodies are all on Instagram because you know people eat with their eyes so it's such a visual platform and it really lends itself to that um I would say start finding people that you admire and that you love and um people that you love the content of and they will become your community so start interacting with them you know reply to their stories comment on their posts um just start you know, start a conversation basically and go from there. It's yeah. social media. So, I mean, that's the only way to sort of make it work for you is to be social. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it and a good reminder too because often it can be one of those things where you sort of think it's set and forget, you post and then you just go about and create yeah. But that interaction is such a big part of it, especially if it is something you want to monetize. I know brands these days do look at the engagement, not just the overall numbers of followers. So yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to note as well that it's not, you know, you don't have to strive for a big following. Um, Like, I think it's important to mention that, you know, over the last like, I don't know, 12 ish months, I think my following has decreased by about, 25,000 um and that's and that's totally fine I'm not panicked about it I'm not um worried about it because maybe that portion of people aren't aligned with what I'm doing and if they're not aligned then that's okay let them go and focus on the audience that you do have and what they're responding to and what they like. So if you've got an audience of 3000 people, imagine 3000 people in the flesh. That's a huge audience. Yeah. You know, ask through your stories, what sort of content do they want? Um, you know, like just find out more about them and start gearing content towards them. And you'll find that you'll start to find your community from there as well. Yeah, absolutely. That is a really important, good thing to mention. So what yeah. would you say your vision for your business is? Yeah, so I'm not a planner. You've got that's pretty impressive. Yes. That's, <laughs> um, that's something that I actually, I really struggle with this. Um, 
yeah, I don't have, you know, I'm not, I've never been the person to think too far ahead in the future. Um, But I guess loosely, you know, I thought about this like 10 minutes before we started because I was like, oh, I really do need to get better at this. I think I just want to continue working on and inspiring people to eat more vegetables. It's so simple, but you know, and there's a hundred different ways that I can work on doing that. But I think as my overarching goal, that's probably one of the key ones. Um, just because, you know, us as Australians and throughout the world, we, we don't eat enough vegetables. Um, and I think people, have, you know, they're, they're not sure how to cook them properly. And it's it's just the really base, like the really basic things that um, I think people need content on you know how to make broccoli not look gray and falling apart when you serve (laughs) it on a plate um you know very very basic things but um i think yeah if we can all sort of eat a few more veg we'll all be better for it so as a very loose overarching goal that (laughs) yeah such a good goal though (laughs) yeah and you know then I'll just let my creative mind sort of take me to where it's going to go on how to do that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, that's good. It leaves it open to opportunities and seeing what comes next. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what would you attribute your success to date to? That's such a hard question. (laughs) Um, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should be sorry. No. (laughs) I think it's, without sounding too much like a wanker, I think it's being just a genuine person. Um, You know, like, I'm very open about everything. Like, I love drinking, you know, Diet Coke and alcohol and eating Maltesers and chips and, uh, you know, that all has a place within a healthy diet and I think that, showing those real life parts of my life um, has made me more, I guess, uh, approachable to my audience or more relatable. Um, You know, it's not an all or nothing. We're all human. We, you know, you want to live a healthy life, of course, but um, you can do that with having all of these things that diet culture has, you know, forced us to believe are just horrible and bad and all of those sorts of words. So, um, I think my success is attributed really to being relatable um, and just, um, yeah, relatable and approachable and just like everyone else. Yeah, I really like that. And it just, it shows we should let our personality shine through in what we do and not feel like we need to fit some picture perfect, I don't know, Absolutely. what's expected in the industry. Absolutely. And that's the, that's your biggest asset is, is you like your, your biggest asset. Um, I think people forget about that. They think they need great photography or they need, um, you know, the best cooking skills ever. Do you know how many nutritionists and dietitians don't know how to cook? Like it's, but they have strengths in other areas. So I think it's, you know, finding out, you know, maybe through a process of writing down what you love or, you know, what you really get joy out of and finding out what your strengths are and just playing into that. You know, you might have a great sense of humor or you might be really witty or you might have incredible food puns. Work that into your content somehow. People will love it. People are tired of seeing the same things over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, So, 
yeah, use it to your advantage. Yeah, so, so true. And there is only one you. So it's so important that we do fully embrace ourselves and put that out there. Yeah, I love that for sure. Yeah, brilliant. Something you just said then reminded me of your cooking classes. Let's talk a little bit about your experience running cooking classes. Um, How did that start and what does that sort of look like? So I started running cooking classes for um, brands who had previously approached me to run um, either like professional development style um, cooking classes. So for, you know, internally within their organisations, just as, you know, a PD day or as a um, bonding day sort of thing. And then from there, uh, late last year, I sort of thought I would, you know, I really love meeting people in person. Um, Once again, just really love like my community so I kind of wanted to just see them in the flesh and so I thought you know we 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 moved house um at the start of this year and I thought this kitchen really lends itself to a cooking class so why not do it from home because I think the greatest joy in life is to make food and share it with people and just have a great time and, you know, have a glass of wine and some really great food and some good chats and, you know, leave with a happy mind and a happy belly. So I kind of wanted to put that into a class and run it from home. Um, So my husband Isaac and I started doing that at the start of this year um, and we ran quite a few. I think we ran sort of five or six and then COVID came. So we had to put the rest on hold um, and hopefully we can do that again one day soon. But um, yeah, the, the idea for it was just to basically share and get people cooking and learning, you know, some basic skills, some more advanced skills, how to get more veg in, you know, their meals in ways that they might not have thought um, to do it before. Um, And basically just using my Mediterranean heritage and um, research to, to sort of be the basis of that. Yeah, that is brilliant. Is it something that you've considered running online or do you prefer that in person aspect of it? I've thought about it online um, and I think maybe I would have investigated that a little more if I hadn't have been writing the book. Um, just I just couldn't juggle it at all. Of course. But I'm also, I just don't, I, I need to think about it. I don't know how to, I don't, I don't want people to feel like it's work to do an online class. I just kind of want them to be able to have something that maybe I deliver to them and then everything's there. And I need to work out how to do that from an equipment perspective. So there's like little nuts and bolts I need to work out, but um, yeah, it's not out of the question. Yeah. Fingers crossed that you can start doing them in person again when things open up. Yeah, you won't even have to. And I feel like it'll be all the more joyful because everyone is just so starved of human connection in Melbourne <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I think it'll be really good. So hopefully one day soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it sounds like you have a lot on your plate, and there's a lot of things that you're balancing and doing a great job at fitting in. But how important is it to you to look after yourself and your own health? And what are some things that you do to achieve that? Yeah, so I mean that is paramount um, to me. So um, about what is it now? It's September. So eighteen months ago, um, I was diagnosed with clinical depression, um, which I have a family history of it wasn't really a surprise to me that that 
you know, ended up eventuating within myself. Um, but that's when I started really taking my self-care very seriously. Um, I think I'd always sort of like pushed it to the side. I was like, oh, no, I've got to write this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. Um, and now it forms the entire basis of my day. So for me, um, it basically revolves around taking my medication for my depression, which is a game changer for me. And I'm very open about talking about it because I would never have considered it if I didn't have a very close friend of mine who was very open about their journey with it. Um, so if anyone needs to hear that it's okay to take medicine for a mental health issue, it's okay. Um, and then from there, focusing on moving my body in ways that I really enjoy that are good for me. Um, so not, you know, I've never been a gym bunny or someone who's loved really strenuous workouts, but I really love Pilates. So uh, just doing that when I can right now, um, my studio does an online class. So I've just been doing that um, from home and I do a 10 minute um, meditation on the Calm app every day. Yeah. Um, which I find really, really helpful. And I hated it when I started it, but um, <laughs> I persisted. And now I look forward to it because it just, at the end of that 10 minutes, only 10 minutes, it feels like an eternity, but you just feel so refreshed. That's a great way to, to reset or shake off any sort of, you know, niggly feelings that you might have about the day or, you know, really sort of spend the time clearing your mind so it frees up space when you start working or start doing whatever it is in your day again. So that's been a real game changer for me. And reading books. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very basic. I love reading though. And I really let it go by the wayside once I started working because I thought I don't have time for that, but I do have time and it feeds my soul so much and I love it. So yeah, just reading books and they're not self-help books. They're not any sort of like development type of books. They're like crime thrillers or something like that. Like just something kind of mindless to help me switch off, um, which yeah. I love. Yeah. It's important to bring that fun and relaxation in as well. Yeah. 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 That leads me really well into my next question. If you could recommend one book to the listeners to read, what would it be and why? And it can be a fantasy crime, absolutely anything. It doesn't have to be personal development. Okay. Okay. Oh my goodness. This is a hard question. <laughs> I know, um, so all the hard questions today. <laughs> so I'm you on the spot. <laughs> Oh, I just finished reading the second book in the Dervla McTiernan series. Um, so she's an Irish writer, but she lives in Australia and it's crime sort of thriller set in uh, Dublin and Sligo in uh, Ireland. Yeah. And that is amazing. Like I just kept guessing till the end and it was really great to switch off to. Yeah. Um, and then I'll say as well, there was another one that, has really left an impression on me and it's not the normal genre that I would normally read, but um, it's called Exciting Times by Nisha Dolan, um, another Irish writer. I'm obviously on a streak at the moment. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of like got Sally Rooney vibes, so kind of like conversations with friends sorts of vibes, just uh, like a 20-something-year-old girl, like navigating work, life and just... The way she writes is so beautiful and really profound and uh, really unapologetic. And I thought it was just super refreshing. Yeah, awesome. They sound really interesting. 
Cool. So this has been so insightful today, but is there anything that we haven't covered any aspects of your career or job or role or Instagram, anything that you want to touch on before we do wrap up? Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Um, I think I'll just say that because I wish someone had said this to me when I was at uni um, and I, I went to La Trobe Uni, so um, like a very conventional style of nutrition course, which I loved. But I would just say that like it doesn't have, nutrition doesn't have to be what everyone else thinks it has to be. So you don't study nutrition just to become a dietitian. You can do so much with it. Um, and I think exploring the options for, uh, you know, postgraduate study into other avenues, you know, if product development is your thing, I think Melbourne offers a master's in product innovation. I mean, it's such an exciting space at the moment, uh, the, you know, the food industry in Australia that, the opportunities are really endless. And I think if you can get on social media, make yourself known, have a rolling business card available. So by the time you graduate, you've already got essentially like a body of work that somebody can look up and say, hey, that's valued, valuable to me. Um, and they've got the qualifications to back it up. I'm going to you know, reach out to this person. I think that's just one of the best things you can do. So don't box yourself in just because you think you're in a conventional type of uni course or a conventional type of job. It's never too late to change things up. Yes, I'm all about that. I love that. And such a good reminder for everyone. Awesome. And yep. where can everyone find you and follow along and see all of the beautiful work you put out and be kept up to date when your book is released? Okay. So on Instagram, I'm at from my little kitchen um, and I'm on Facebook as well under the same name. So if you just search, I think it comes up. And then my blog is melanieleonello.com. But um, I know that's a mouthful. So just go to the Instagram and click the direct link so you don't have to think about how to spell it. <laughs> Beautiful. And I'll put links to all of that in the show notes and any of the posts I share so people can find you nice and easily. But thank you so okay, much beautiful. for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure and yeah, it's so nice learning from you and hearing all of the amazing things you've done. And I cannot wait to see your book come to life and be released. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I feel very honored. It's been an absolute joy. It really has. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it. And I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me, and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Mm-hmm.